Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along show. Hello, and welcome to episode 59. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Boys Night 2? I think this is the second time we've had Boys Night. Andrea's out hunting, and I'm not going to ruin her tales, because I have minimal. She's been in a no cell phone service area since... So it's Wednesday. We recorded last Wednesday, Thursday around one. She left, and we've only been communicating through inReach, which is, you know, by the message charged 160 character messages. All I know is things have been decent, but no animals have been killed. No large animals. She's killed some grouse with her bow, which is badass. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're going to mix things up and talk about patrons a little bit later because uh, it's our show and we can do whatever the hell we want. But very quickly, I guess I can run through what I've been doing, which is on Thursday, I got a delivery of a new frame, but I'll talk about that last. Well, no, I'll talk about that now because then Thursday I put together my new bike, which is a Scott Spark RC 2020. And I built it up with all my fancy stuff. So SID 35 Ultimate Fork, NB Bar, Level Ultimate Brakes, XX1 Power Meter, XX1 Axis, NB Wheels with Hydra Hubs, Recon 2.6 Front, Recon 2.4 Rear. Didn't have a dropper post that fit it in lengthwise, so I'm running a static seat post right now. And with the Kush Core in the rear and two water bottle cages, XTR pedals, uh, computer mount, the works it weighs 24 and a half pounds so pretty stoked on that i didn't realize um, that you ran kush core in the back yeah i've been running kush core xc in the back of my wheels um it works okay i don't know i still run a lot of air so i don't know that it's done much yet you kind of have to run a little bit more air right because your air volume goes down yeah but you're supposed to be able to use the beep boop of the clunk clack and foam hmm you know, I I don't know. I'm, I'm still like I'm still really, not sold. I'm not sold even a tiny bit on the Kush Core stuff. I I don't know, especially on carbon wheels. It just seems extremely unnecessary. But that's just me. Yeah, and on a bike that I'm being a weight weenie on, like when I pulled the Recon off the rear and put the Aspen, because I tried the Aspen on the single speed and it didn't work because it just didn't have enough traction. Was now it that the I have newer re- Aspen two four? Yeah, the two four wild tra- wide trail Aspen. Um, I got okay. one of those a while back, and it, it just for the single speed, like that last little grunt with the kitty litter we have, and 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 no rear shock. You know, the rear shock has yeah, a ton that of traction. Makes a, that makes a big difference. Yeah, so I think having gears, rear suspension, I think the the Aspen will work out well for that bike. So I'm gonna try that, and when I put the Aspen on, I might pull the Cush Core out. I mean, I'm still running a lot of air in the back. I'm running like 26 in the rear. Whoa, that's a lot. I mean, Dude, I'm running 28 in the rear on the trail bike. and twenty. No, I've been running like 26 or 27 in the rear on the trail bike with the Kush Core. But I ran 28 on the trail bike. And, I mean, I've talked about this ad nauseum. Like, Jeez, that's in, that's so much pressure. Yeah, you know, I put Kush Core Matt, in. Matt doesn't pull out and doesn't pull up. No, I, I mean, look, dude. I ran 28 all year when I had my top fuel. At the end of the year, I had zero dents in those aluminum wheels, but the rim was fucking egg-shaped. The rim literally wasn't round, but it didn't have a dent in the sidewall. I tried running 21 with Kushcore. First fucking ride, I pinch-flatted my wheel. So I I read on the internet that people run Kushcore and then run 17, and I'm like, I, I don't fucking get it. And I'm fast. I'm not saying that there's not people faster than me, but like, 
I guess my point is, is if I rode like a total shit dick, then I wouldn't be as quick as I am. Like, I know how to ride the bike. Sometimes you just smash into shit, and a bunch <laughs> of air pressure makes your wheels not fall apart. I mean, I run 20, I've been running 26 in the rear on the hardtail. Like, that's what it takes for my rims to not smash into the ground. What do you run in the moto? Uh, I've been running like 10 in the rear. Jeez. Well, you ding-dong that rim, right? I was running 10 up front, and I flat-spotted the rim on that, too. Um <laughs> fucking good at it okay like i don't know i mean i think i could get away with less in the rear maybe i can get away with so little up front i run 18 in the front with a 2.6 tire and i have zero issues i run 18 in the front with a 2.6 tire on the the yt with the 2.6 xr4 never bonk the rim but the rear the way i push the bike in the corner the way that i like smash through stuff i just i have to run air to keep the rim off the ground maybe i'm wrong maybe i've just been doing something wrong my entire life but i think at this at this age i don't think i'm going to get better um i did do some kook shit and i I stuck two water bottles in the front of that bike and it's only made for one so thanks wolf tooth and your um b-rad that's what it is thanks wolf tooth and the b-rad i got an extra water bottle cage now that's the one that puts them side by side right no, no, I do not believe in saddlebag water bottles. I'm a, that is the abomination of your, you may as well just put streamers in your fancy bike. No, I'm running them in line like you would on like an intense sniper. Got it. So B-Rad can either make your bottles move up and down or they can make you have like the, your one, like you have two water bottles like side by side. I call it saddlebagging and I I do not believe in that. Um, so in theory, if you can fit two vertically it means you could probably fit four side by side over top each other and then maybe even like a third actually in the middle on top right so you got like a triangle actually vertically i could not put any more in there so not not true vertically um you could technically run four but i'm fairly certain it would rip the bosses out of the frame so i mean you'd be carrying a hundred or 88 ounces of water on three bolts i don't think it's going to be happy about that yeah, um, four bottles, one mount. Is that, mm, is that actually accurate? Like just two two uh, bottle bolts? And then... uh, This frame has three. So, oh. you know, you have like a, a high and low position, I guess. And I'm, I'm utilizing all three holes in the frame to hold two bottles hmm. with the little extender plate. Gotcha. So pretty much you like bolt a plate down that lets you run two in line. It's pretty cool. It works well. And there's like an extra zip tie and some like... Sticky back foam involved. It, it's a little bit suboptimal, but I can carry 44 ounces of water in my bike. And I'm trying something that Andrea's begged me to do for like the last few years. I'm going to try to drink with my left hand. I've always drank with my right hand, and I'm going to try to drink with my left hand. So I set it up with left hand exit bottle cages. Crazy. Yeah, it's been fine. So I did that on Thursday. And then with Andrea being out of town, uh, I kind of had my hands full. I was going to try to ride it on Saturday after work, and that just didn't work out. Uh, neighbors were having a wedding, and I, like, popped over and gave them, like, a six-pack and a high-five. Um, it turned out to be a lot bigger and fancier event than I expected. Um, I mean, we live out in the sticks, and I was expecting to, like, show up to a wedding with, like, flip-flops and, you know, like, flannel shirts, and, like, everyone was in, like, white shirt, black tie, and I, like, rode up on my bike with 
a six pack in my like <laughs> over the shoulder bag and I was just like, Sup, I don't fit in here. I'm wearing a t shirt with a bike company logo on it. But no harm, no foul. Um but I got to ride that bike Sunday after work, and then Monday I worked a short day because of Labor Day, and then tried to do some squirrel hunting after work, and I just melted because it was a million degrees. And then Tuesday I didn't do anything. Wednesday, which is today, I did four and a half hour ride on the new bike, and I rode a big loop that I've talked about before, so leave the house, ride up Porter Gulch, Ride Rainbow Trail all the way to Columbine, ride down Columbine Trail to the road, ride the road back to the highway, ride back to the house. It, it's almost 40 miles with like 42 or 4,300 feet of climbing, and I melted. It was at about two and a half hours that I remember this ride is actually not three and a half hours. It's over four and change, and I was like, right, it's under four hours if you park at the bottom of the hill, but I had to do a 25-minute climb that I was forgetting about. So I was really hot. So I stopped and like got really wet in the river and then no exaggeration, four miles later, I was completely dry. So I stopped and got wet when I crossed the river again. And then I was completely dry again and was dying. So I knew where an irrigation ditch was and I stopped at an irrigation ditch and got a bottle of water out of there and then just poured water on myself for like the last 10 minutes of my ride home. And it was, it was like scary hot. I got home and it was, my thermometer in the sun was reading like 91 degrees and the one in the shade was reading 84 and it said we had 11% humidity. So, and there was like not a cloud in the sky. It was hot as shit. That's everything that I've done. And yeah, I rode the rainbow trail with no dropper post and didn't die. So there's that. Uh, what have you been doing? I have literally nothing exciting to talk about. I don't think. Uh, for updates on people that broke into our store, no updates, just dealing with insurance companies. And like I said before, hopefully they don't find the people that stole the bikes. I really just don't even want to like deal with, I don't want to deal with that garbage. It's more totally. work for more work for me. Uh, what else? That's about it. Been riding motorcycles. They're really fun. I should you probably ride my, glass? I should probably ride my mountain bike sometime. Eh, maybe you're an adult. Do whatever you want. It's <laughs> exactly what I'm doing. Uh, I have considered maybe in the future, in the next year or so, maybe investing in a van, like just going all in and like getting a, a really nice van. We'll see though. We'll see. There are a lot of dollars. So hopefully I'll wait for the, maybe the economy will take a shit and people won't be asking $50,000 for a 50,000 mile completely stock base level van that should be 45 new. Or asking $85,000 for a $40,000 van with $15,000 worth of stuff done Yeah, to it. exactly. It's like, oh, I put random shit in here that you're probably not going to want anyway. Uh, and, you know, it has a... I <laughs> I went to Home Depot and got some three-quarter inch ply and I made a countertop. And it has a sink with no plumbing. And so I'm going to ask $20,000 more for this thing. Yeah. There's um, dumb stuff. If you're bored sometime... Go look at used vans, especially, quote, upfitted vans. Like, go get fucked. That is the dumbest shit in the world. It's unreal what people are willing to pay. I guess I underestimate the fact how unhandy a lot of people are. Like, they don't even want to deal with deal with doing anything in a van. They just want something that's, like, semi-turnkey. It is insane. Yeah, because, like, 
10 years ago it was different but now you like if you have a and i don't know but like a a sprinter 170 wheelbase high roof you can just click all the clacks and like probably order cabinets delivered to your house right that's correct yeah and you literally just and i'm sure that all the holes are made and they have little carriage bolt things that match up to holes already in the truck and you just bolt the shit onto the wall and then like you could literally do it in a weekend right none of this shit is hard anymore no i mean for sure getting an absolutely fully outfitted van is one thing but by the way i just also want to say that i don't understand the people that do that like why do that to a really nice sprinter van why do you want to make your sprinter van completely and totally unusable inside uh, why do you want to make it the shittiest, smallest motorhome in the world? That doesn't make sense to me. Why do you want your Sprinter to be $150,000 with not even that much cool shit inside? And then all of a sudden you literally cannot put a single actual thing inside of your van. So now you have like a giant bike rack sitting out the back. It's just bizarre to me. Like, why don't you just sleep in the back of your forerunner? Or like go get a hotel every once in a while and save yourself a hundred thousand dollars. I just don't get it. Yeah, I think a van, like if I had to do van stuff again, I think what I would really want is like a kitchen. Like right behind the driver's seat, right? Like against that, you know, driver wall. Um, and I would honestly sleep on a cot on the floor. <laughs> no, no, hear me out. Because for what you just said, because then the rest of the van would be a real van. Like, no, if you exactly. needed to help your friend move, you literally take your cot out, right? And, like, if you had a cot, you could have hooks where you could, like, hang it up out of the way when you didn't want it on the floor. Like, that's the easiest thing in the world. But then if you wanted to, like, put motorcycles and a bunch of bikes and whatnot in your van, I'm just imagining, like, I drive to Arizona. Once I'm in Arizona and I'm camping, I could like have an awning on the side and you could just lock your bikes and motos together while you're sleeping right there. That's not a big deal. Then you could like set up an air mattress in your van and sleep in your van that way if you wanted. I I just, yeah, I'm with you. Like the whole like tiny RV thing is very not appealing. Really dumb. Yeah. Buy it. Just go buy an RV. If you really want to actually live like out, out in the wilderness, maybe just buy a motorhome. It seems really bizarre to me. I guess you get like maybe obviously it drives better and like maybe you could kind of sort of go a little bit more off road in your average sprinter than your average motorhome. But like really, I also look at that as like, do you need, do you have to drive your, you know, thing to the top of the mountain and then go camp there? You can't just like camp somewhere else or go like park somewhere and then if you really want to camp in that super remote place like go hike a little bit and do that and i don't know just seems so bizarre to me that people are willing to spend 150 or 200 thousand dollars on fully converted vans that you can put zero things inside of like the only reason i would ever want to get a van is to be able to put my really valuable toys inside of it and have a really convenient and fast way of like loading and unloading multiple bicycles or multiple motorcycles that kind of stuff. I just don't know why else you would want a van. No, and and that's what I mean. Like you could totally like sleep on a like you could load all your shit in there and then just sleep beside your counter. Like if you were driving like more than a day away, so you needed to sleep on the way down, you could just pull over and sleep on the floor. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it. You have so much more utility that way. Um, yeah, I mean utility. Like 
it's taking the utility out of the utility vehicle. You know, a- Andrea took the back seat bottoms out of her Forerunner like the week she got it, and it's awesome. Like I've slept in the back of that truck; it's amazing. Um, uh, so anyway, that's my it. that's my van stuff. It, it's just amazing to me how many people think that they want this converted stuff. And by the way, another thing is, I really just if I don't have to, I don't want to deal with all the other stuff. I don't want to deal with a shit tank and a gray water tank and a water tank, and then you have to winterize it. And then there's shit hanging out the bottom and like propane tanks and lines and dude, fuck all that noise. No, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. Like, again, when I say like have a, a counter inside, like a kitchen being like a literal just counter, like a place you could, you know, set a Coleman stove on the counter to cook, Yeah, you know? And, and it's, then, I'm all about putting stuff in your van. Like, you know, dude, put a, put a ventilation fan in there, put you know, put a, a, a sweet, like proper RV fridge or like a microwave, but you can just put it on the floor and it's going to work great and do the things you want it to do. And you don't need to have it. Your, your motor home doesn't need to be in the, in the tour of homes thing where you've got like, you know, marble countertops. It's just so weird to me. Yeah. But I don't know, man, you can buy it with your credit card and just I use guess, it, you know, I guess I just, that's just not me. I'm not wired that way. Uh, also, fuck, not that you can't sell, obviously in today's money, you can sell your van for what you paid for it or for way more than what you paid for it, right? But normally that thing's probably going to depreciate like an actual rock. And then, by the way, you're going to have to insure the whole thing. So people don't think about that either. Uh, most, I'll bet you half the people that do conversions don't have them insured for full value, aka as an RV. It's still registered as a vehicle which means that when you get totaled out, they're going to give you depreciated value on a Sprinter van. So they're going to hand you $20,000 and you're going to be like, holy shit, uh, what do I do now? And that would be really bad. Yeah, Andrew and I talk about this a lot. Like we'll be in Salida and there will be, you know, like Tacoma, van, van, Tacoma, Corolla, van, 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 Tundra, van, f-250 you know what i mean but there's just like a lot of vans like Mm -hmm. lined up parked on the road and i'll just be like five or ten years from now like these will be cheap like these are gonna be cheap one day you know and yeah i think they absolutely will be uh yeah just all the things about it just don't add up to me and so again going back to this thing you spent like kind of an extra a hundred thousand dollars that you didn't have to do you know how many swanky ass hotel stays you can have for a hundred thousand dollars? I mean, uh, I mean, easily four hundred. Jeez, right? Hundred thousand dollars, two fifty a night, so four a thousand. Yeah, four hundred really nice hotels. I mean, two fifty <laughs> is like a swanky hotel, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking like a hundred to a hundred and fifty. You stay at a, a Hampton, and it's gonna be fine. It's, it's I just the economics don't make sense to me. Well, and then here's the last thing to consider. When I was racing BMX, my dad did the math on it. And he was like, dude, they're driving their RV to the race. And like this other dad just kept being like, we don't have to pay for a hotel. We don't have to pay for a hotel. And like my dad like did the math on it. And he's like, they're going to spend about, we were staying in, you know, like this is a long time ago. You know, this is back in like 99. So we were staying in like $60 a night hotels, which at that time Mm -hmm. weren't sketchy, you know? And they were spending like three hundred dollars more on gas because they Could were getting. Could you imagine like, exactly? You get nine miles to the gallon, or even in like let's say a fairly lightweight Sprinter that you've decked out. That thing's still going to get low teens at highway speeds, and you can get you know twenty in 
a Tacoma or a uh, Forerunner or something like that. So like, holy, holy crap. I just don't, I don't understand the van as a thing to like stay in, especially for extended periods. I, I just don't, I don't get it. I think you can totally, and maybe it's different. I get it. If you have two people and you want to be ultra comfortable, you kind of have to do the RV thing. Like sleeping in a car with two people is going to be a pretty bad time. But if you're one person, you can totally make modern SUVs ultra comfortable to sleep in. And I don't know about everybody else, but for me, even traveling a decent amount, like how many days am I actually going to like sleep in my vehicle if you have a full-time job? Like 10 nights a year kind of thing? It's not going to be a ton. No, it's not. Um, I know a guy that can like him and his wife can both remote work and they're out all the time. And you know what they did? They sold their van. (laughs) <laughs> what do they do now they get airbnbs oh yeah there you go yeah um i mean that yeah i just i think it's been i think the van life thing on the internet has been too romanticized i think and people just buy into it if you notice there's not a lot of people that do it for more than six months to a year not that i've ever met i'm not saying you shouldn't own a van i'm talking about like the whole upfitted van thing it's very bizarro dude i would drive a like a chevy express or like an e-series van even like dude you could put a bunch of stuff in one of those and have a rad time oh yeah they're discontinuing so this is turning into the van talk show but they're discontinuing the kind of big ish mercedes minivan essentially it was called the Ooh, what was that thing called how am i forgetting that's horrible I don't know. It's like a really big minivan, though. Like, you can actually, it's pretty much the size of, like, or even bigger than a Transit Connect as far as, like, vertical goes in the back. And you can actually squeeze in, like, small dirt bikes and stuff into the back. Uh, But that one's getting discontinued because nobody's buying it. Also, minivans are unbelievable these days. They're, like, 300 horsepower and, like, super luxurious inside. And you can buy them for not very many dollars. So they're... Well, I know you just said they have horsepower, but like when I helped Ben move, Ben Wellnack move in like 2017, like I, part of it was like I drove a rental van mm-hmm. and like, dude, that thing was fast. Like even then, just like a regular ass, like Dodge, whatever, I'm you know. I'm pretty sure that the shittiest minivan you can buy today makes like 350 horsepower and it'll run like a 14 second quarter mile. Yeah. It it'll just like walk insane. your Civic every yeah, day. It's insane. So maybe that's the thing is like, (laughs) just get a minivan. I would totally have a minivan tomorrow if I could fit a moto in the back. And that's my thing. I don't like, I want my stuff like inside the car. That is really important to me. I, I mean, racks are awesome and they're convenient and fast and they're like really good these days, but your shit's still in the back of your car, which means that if you leave it anywhere in this modern age and you have a really nice bike, it's fucking gone. And then also, you know, for me, if I go drive down south all the time in the winter, which is awesome, it's probably snowing here in Salt Lake, which means your bike gets literally destroyed on the drive down, which sucks. Right. Like, it just needs to be inside for safety and cleanliness. And That's it's not correct. like, ooh, I live, like, I live on a dirt road. So, like, for me, part of the year, it's like, yeah, we can ride in Salida. And I found myself driving, no exaggeration, like, eight miles an hour trying to get off of the dirt without blasting my bikes that are on the rack. Mm-hmm. So that also happens when they mag chloride the road in the spring and you're just like, oh shit, I didn't know this was happening today. And 
you like catch the water truck and you're like, oh, this is fucked. So, <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, that's enough about vans. I haven't really done anything else super fun as far as mountain biking. Sorry. Like I said, I've been riding the motos. They're really fun. Uh, I've got two of them now. I'm trying to get other people around me to buy more of them so we can all go do electric moto things. They're really, really fun. I highly recommend anybody that is into mountain biking and especially somebody who enjoys descending. I think that if you bought a something like a Saron or Tolaria and you did some reasonable mods to it to make an adult fit on it comfortably, you can leave it otherwise pretty much stock. And I think the amount of fun you would have is unbelievable. But that's also assuming you have places to ride those things. Not everywhere has like moto legal cool places to ride. So I totally understand that. Like, for example, if I had one in Memphis, other than just being a hood rat and riding it around town because no one would care and that would be fun. There's not like any legitimate good places to ride it off road in Memphis, right? So no, you could just ride in the river bottoms, you know. Yeah, which like, is horrible. It's like mudding essentially. Or you just be a hoodlum and you just like ride it around the street because no one's going to do anything about it, and that would be entertaining, but in a different way. Yeah, well, it wouldn't be five thousand dollar entertaining to just you would you know if you could buy that for five hundred dollars to mob it around on the street, it'd be different. But what, not what I'm getting 5, at 000. is if you enjoy mobbing on single track. They are an amazing tool for that job. They rip. They rip. All right. Fun well, that's toys all I are got. fun. Uh, we have a couple of questions, but I'm not nearly as good as pulling this up as Andrea. So let's see. Whoa. Uh, Paul says, AXS battery. Just listen to your battery woes. I've had my freshly charged battery seemingly die 20 miles into a 40-mile gravel ride. It behaved like the battery was dead. I opened the app, pushed the button on the derailleur, and it came back to life. Basically like a reboot. Don't assume the battery is dead. Huh. Alrighty. So I've also had two or three derailleurs. One of my personal ones and two, at least two customer ones that I'm aware of, where the accelerometer starts to fail in the derailleur. So that's going to be the part that actually wakes your derailleur up. So it will do just that. If the symptoms are, it doesn't, no worky, and then you're like, huh, I wonder what's going on. And you take the battery out and put the battery right back in, and then it works awesome for like a couple minutes, and then it just dies again, it's because you woke it up, and then the accelerometer sees zero motion, even though there really is motion, and then it just goes back to sleep and goes to sleep forever until you pull the battery again. Got it. So touching the button doesn't wake it up? You know what's really funny is you think it would, but in my case, it didn't. And you could like dick with it. You could like hold it down for a while, and then like sometimes it would come back, and I could like reach back there with my foot and kick my derailleur, and like it would come back and just kind of do some weird things. But for the most part, it would just die. All so right. Could, could be accelerometer and could also be the battery, like just not holding a charge for some reason, even though lithium batteries should, in theory, if there's no draw on them and they're healthy, you should be able to charge a lithium battery and it should lose like 1% charge per month kind of thing, like almost nothing. And I don't know, I haven't actually taken apart an Axis battery. I probably should. The next one that has like a tab broken or something, I should probably just Dremel it open and see what they look like inside. And I'm sure somebody on the interwebs has documented what they look like inside. But if they're just... Yeah, but it's different. If it's Don't trust their pictures. Cut it open yourself. Be a man. <laughs> yeah. But basically, if it's just two little cells inside of there, which I think it is, and they just go with little wires straight to those contacts, which I think they do, I'm pretty sure it's positive, negative, and then your one cell balance lead, which is three contacts. And that's what they have on them. So I don't think there's any smarts or any brains in that battery at all. Could be wrong on that. So 
that actually doesn't explain at all why in the world they would just be dying. But it's definitely happened to me at least twice now where I have 100% charged a battery. I put it in my spare oh shit bag and then I go to pull it out and it's fucking dead. So I don't know. I'm not seeing anything. Like I'm Googling inside AXS battery and I'm like finding old like spy shots and stuff, but I'm not seeing anything like cut open. So do you know Kenny, who you actually, the- do you know who did it is the, who's the Berm Peak guy? Is it just called Berm Peak? Oh, he's, did he's he? like the ultra popular mountain bike YouTuber guy. He had a axis seat post problem and tried to build his own external pack because it hangs off the back too much. And on his particular bike, when he bottomed his bike out, the tire would grab the battery and rip it out. So he decided to make a low profile one and like stick an RC car battery up inside the saddle. And I think he took a battery apart. So I need to, I need to go look at his video again. Hmm. I guess what's tough is I don't, uh, Oh yeah, he has a video. My wireless seat post has a big problem. Let's hack it. Um, there you go. Well, I mean, you don't have to watch the video on air. <laughs> no, I'm just. I I was. Well, I saw a Reddit discussion about it, and I was hoping I could find a screenshot in that that showed what it looked like inside. Ah, uh, gotcha. I didn't. Well, we can do our own research on that later. But what's he was just basically saying, listeners saying, "Hey, my derailleur essentially goes to sleep, and I don't know why." Uh, well, he was saying that like the battery seemed dead, but he opened the app and pushed the button, and then it was fine. Hmm. Which, yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes me think he might have an accelerometer issue, which unfortunately is not fixable outside of warranty. You could just hit it with a hammer a bunch of times. You could try it. It's already broken. I'm not going to fix it. I mean, but you will get to hit a derailleur with a hammer, so. Yeah. The way I look at it, if something's already broken, then you should definitely try to fix it. I took a an NX derailleur that didn't work. I took it down to its constituent parts. Like I took every, I didn't drive the rivets out because I kind of ran out of, well, there's nothing else to see there, you know, but I literally, I removed all the circlips. I took all the screws out. I took all the bolts out. I took all the stuff apart. Like, and I was like, wow, there's a bunch of shit here. Like, so. Well, the really cool part about that is it's pretty much a zero risk situation because you cannot make an NX derailleur work worse than out of the box anyway. So, like, you're fine. Yeah. I mean, you know, it says NX. The N stands for no. That is correct. Uh, Ken has a question that's more of a statement. I'm actually just going to email him back, but he's like, my friend's coming to slider ride, intermediate rider, any quick trail recommendations? And I'm going to say... S-Mountain is a fun ripper in order of easier to hard, rusty lung, due to bides, lower dunes, upper dunes. And then if we head over to the Rainbow Trail, you have uh, Soul Train East and West. And then let's see what else would be fun over there. I guess uh, Solstice is good. And so is Guts if you want to know what I don't like riding. Folks like Guts, but not me. Uh, question for you, Matt. What are the e-bike rules in Salida? Pretty much no everywhere. Uh, motorcycle, uh, e-bike equals motorcycle. That's the best way to consider it. So, and does that actually mean, does it turn out that a lot of the trails that are good that you like to ride are moto legal or no? Very, very few of the trails in Salida are moto legal. So pretty much you're stuck with Rainbow Trail, Greens Creek, uh, trying to think of what else is moto legal uh, i mean rainbow's huge so it really counts as a bunch of trails because there's so many sections and then uh there's some other stuff that you could probably ride moto on because it's like kind of hard to access by bike um but yeah there's not really a ton of legal e-bike stuff in salida so people just ride their e-bikes wherever they want i don't 
care. And there was actually like a thing that was like, well, like a, a, a poll or a questionnaire that the local trail group sent out. And I was just like, we need to get something on the books because if we don't care if people are riding motorized things, I'm going to start riding my e-trials bike on the trails. Like, and, and you know, that's fair. I think that, yeah, anyway, we don't need to get into that whole discussion because I totally understand the polarizing nature of it. But yeah, I've, you need to have super duper clear rules in place with like good reason too. just don't be like, ah, we don't like them. It's like, well, yeah, it's, it, you know, they have on. a strong reason. The grants that were written, the, the land managers that leased or like, uh, gave easement or whatever the technical term is to build trails on land and the grants that were written to fund the building of the trails, everything was done for non-motorized use. And those governing bodies still haven't figured out what the hell an e-bike is. So because they don't know if it's motorized or not, it's sure. not legal. Um, that makes and, and, I mean that makes a lot of sense in your case. So it sounds like what they really need to do is maybe hit back, you know, the biggest donors, for example, that are maybe still alive or relevant and say like, hey, um, can you guys, we don't know what to do. Can you give us clarity? Do you think e-bikes are okay or no? And if they come back and, you know, old crunchy millionaire dudes like, no, I don't like them. It's like, okay, there you go. Well, I don't think it's old crunchy millionaire. It's like, I think they wrote a grant and the forest service, like greater outdoor improvement fund gave them $80,000 to build a trail on forest service land. So it's like, it, it, it feels like bait and switch, right? Because it's like, we gave sure. you money to build non-motorized trails. We call these motorized items. The answer is no. Um, so we're just in that pickle right now. Um, you know, and then we have three land bureaus. We have the city of Salida. We have BLM and Forest, and our trails run through all those. And what's kind of the slippery slope is there's been discussion of like, well, it's going to be really hard to say like, well, you can ride your e-bike here. And you can ride your e-bike here, but technically right here, you'd have to turn around in the trail and ride back, yeah, you know? So it's, yeah. it's very, it's, it's not just, I don't like them. You're not really a real rider. You're cheating. It's none of that. It's just more like there's so many layers to the onion. I mean, but rainbow trails fucking sick if you have a motor, cause this shit's hard. So if you take a motorized thing there, it's still hard. It's just not kick you in the dick hard. It's just kick you in the <laughs> face hard. Yeah. Well, definitely. I think some people are going to have to start asking these questions because there's going to, there's like a lot of e-bikes, a lot. Oh, I know. And every time I ride the town trails, I see people on e-bikes and like on the trails and, you know, I'm not going to like stop and scream at people, but it's just like, I'm more roll my eyes. Cause I'm like, well, the shops in town are renting bikes to people and they're taking e-bikes to the trails and they're not you know, like it, it, there's just a lot to it. There's, it's, it's like in town politics on like how e-bikes are being used and people are like, Oh, well I'm just getting old. And it's like, okay, well like just cause you're getting old and you don't give a shit anymore. doesn't mean you can go like rip fat lines of Coke. Like it's still not allowed. Like you, you, you just, it's just not the rule. So we just need to figure that shit out. So then we can have like real education days where like trail stewards are out there. They're like, Hey, just so you know, um, that's not a legal thing. In the future, you could be ticketed X amount by insert land bureau management here, you know, like, and have some real education around it. And then when somebody's like, oh, well, this is a rental bike and they didn't tell me that, you march your ass down there and you're like, hey, what the hell? You need to be like a partner in the community. So, mm-hmm. um, well, anyway, yeah. That's a uh, tangent. I was just asking you what the e-bike rules are there. So everybody knows 
e-bike rules in Utah, for the most part, you can ride them anywhere that you want, with the exception of actual single track in Park City. And there's probably, I don't know, like, exactly, is it county or is it like just PCMR, like the Park City Mountain Resort? I don't actually know the full answer to that. But for the most part, all the popular like single track on the actual big mountain of Park City are not allowed. People do anyway. Uh, and then I know some places in Moab you cannot. But for the most part in Utah, it's free game. Let her rip. Let her rip, tater chip. Uh, next question. Let me jump over to Instagram and see if there's anything there. Because that was, that was the two that we had there. See, Andrea is way better at this than me. Oh man, somebody mentioned just riding along and uh, in a story, and it was five days ago, and I didn't ever look at it. So sorry, Taylor. Uh, don't have any questions in Instagram. Uh, let's see, nothing further there. What about over here? We are pretty good. So that covers questions. Um, let's do donations real quick, and then let's talk about new shit we probably hate and call it. So. Uh, we have our secret nine ninety nine a month person. So I see you. I see you don't want to be on the air, but I see you. Uh, then at ten we have Zach, Will, Tom, Ty, Scott, Sam, Ryan, Phil, Yo Wang, Parker, Nicole, Nick, Ben from Mountain Bike Radio, Michael, Mark Ligerman was right, Leland, uh, Kevin, Ken, Josh, Josh, Josephine. Wait, is Kevin new? No. Um, Josephine Exotic is back. Uh, Jamie, Jake, Green Giant, Ho Ho Ho, Gordon, G Man, Frank. Ezra Trilogy, Evan, Clayton, Brian, Brad, Bill, Alec, AJ, Aaron, and then our Australian friends, Lead Out Sports, Josh, Dean, and then 20, we have Troy, Six Pack Outdoors, Mike, Joe, Brady, Brad, Anthony, Affordable Trail Solutions, and at $30 a month, we have Harley. Looks like we have a new patron, it says somewhere over here, do, 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 but it, I didn't notice their name over there. I thought Kevin was new, it was just the wrong Kevin. Um... Any new shit out there that you hate? Have we talked about Eagle SL? We talked about it on one or two shows, but is there any new information that we think we have? Uh, Ooh, real quick. Kate Courtney, her derailleur died in a race and long neck swapped it out. So, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah, uh, so is that the, was that the new one or was that the... No, she she wasn't... She was never covered in like the spy stuff, and I don't know that she was cool enough to be in the spy stuff. Hmm. Interesting. So the old stuff broke and the new stuff didn't? Uh, let's talk about this differently. Like, how many XC races has the old thing done, and we haven't seen this happen yet? Or it no, hasn't I mean, happened that so seems publicly? To be, seems to be the case for sure. Yeah. It was 55 seconds, I think, they got that changed. Yeah, pretty um, cool. So props for that. I have lots of questions when it is uh, concerning that. One would be, do they have, can you pair two derailers oh. to one shifter and vice versa? Did they swap the shifter, have it already yes. paired? Yes. They so swapped the shifter. He, he put up an Instagram post about it. Um, oh. Apparently the person holding the front wheel, you know, the, the bike went yeah. like between someone's front wheel or mm -hmm. between someone's knees. That person was changing a shifter while he was changing a derailleur. And apparently one of his, like, emergency spares is um, install a derailleur, make everything shift and work yep. perfectly with the chain length and the set the B tension and everything, and then install another derailleur and just take that first derailleur and, 
and shifter and put them in your spare box and then yes. set the bike up with a second one and leave it that way. So you have something set up for the race chain ring, the race chain, B-tension, high and low limit. Everything was dialed in already. So he literally opened the quick link, unscrewed the five, re-screwed the five, re-threaded the chain. Homeboy was swapping the shifter and they put it in the not punisher gear and off she went. Yeah, that's really cool. That's kind of what I suspected that they had a complete setup that was already paired, that was already adjusted to mm-hmm. the bike, and you just bolt it on and roll. So that's really cool. So yeah, mad props uh, for the fast swap. That was really cool. He also, I watched a video. It was in one of the World Cups. She crashed and broke a brake lever off, like the brake blade broke off, and he swapped a lever in the pits and bled it. And then gave her a push-off, and this is the gnarliest thing I've ever seen World Cup mechanicing. He ran and pushed her, and he was holding a bleed syringe in his mouth. <laughs> like, that's, cool. that's a lot. That's a lot. Like, that's dot .5.1 in your teeth. Like, you don't need that. Pretty wild. It looks like some more information came out about gearing. Um, looks like Bike Rumor had some pretty detailed gearing specs where they're calling it, uh, they have some like really good photos that shows like how much further forwards the derailleur is going to sit relative to the rear axle. So the derailleur is going to be much more like under the frame rather than behind the frame. And then it sounds like the chain is not going to be backwards compatible. Um, and it sounds like the old gearing spread was 38, 42, 52. And the new one's thirty eight forty four fifty two. So they they moved some of that last lump jump. That's what out I of figured. There. Like I can't even explain to people how poorly the fifty two shifts. And maybe because it was an afterthought. Now I know they made derailers that were fifty two compatible because halfway through Eagle essentially, um, they had a new derailer like the GX. Always well, they all the five hundred and twenty percent. I can't remember. Mm-mm. No, anything AXS is five hundred and twenty percent. Maybe that's what I was a... thinking. Is everything wireless was built around mm-hmm. it, but the Gen Two GX actually has fifty two written on the back of it. Anyway, yeah. The moral of the story is even if with the correct equipment, fifty two shifts like just unacceptably bad. It's horrible, and your chain wrap is shit, and I hate it, and it's stupid, and nobody should run it. That's what I think. So hopefully, I mine today. It was okay. Ugh, ugh. Hopefully, this new one's good. I think so. I'm kind of boned about all the aluminum cogs, though. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts. I've never, I live in my Eagle, even on my freaking e bike, because I'm really slow, and it's amazing. By the way, you know, as much as I like to dig on SRAM, but I just like to be real, and I see a lot of stuff, and I'm not wrong. But anyway, on props to SRAM, I have no joke 20, at least 2,500 miles on my entire wireless drivetrain. Now, I did go through a derailleur that they did cover under warranty because it went to sleep and never woke up again. Uh, yeah, but wear wise, I am on, and I'm not kidding, I'm on the original chain, definitely the original cassette, but I 100% am on the original chain. And yeah, it has a ridiculous amount of miles. And I checked it again to double check myself the other day. And I zeroed my digital meter on a new Eagle chain. And it is at 0.25 millistretch. And that's zeroing it out 
on an eagle chain. So that's like a real world 0.25 of stretch. It makes no sense. It's yeah, he- to... it's healing itself or I don't know, but it's amazing. It's like what was that Stephen King thing? Carrie or Christine, the car that fixed itself and then like oh, killed the owner. Oh, I'm not sure. Not familiar with that one. But moral of the story yeah. is I am through the moon happy with the longevity of the SRAM Eagle stuff. It's really, really good. And the moral of that story is buy an XO1 or higher level chain. We've probably said it a hundred times on the show, but I want to reiterate that. They are truly a different breed than the NX and the GX chains. XO1 and all the XX1 colors are all freaking dialed. Like they are made in a different way out of different stuff and they're they last twice as long or longer. No, I mean you're definitely not not wrong there. I had to swap the chain on my YT. It definitely doesn't have 2,500 miles on it, but you know it had and ridden the bike. That's the longest I've ridden a full suspension bike. I had to swap that chain, and like always, Andrea was right. I was like, ah, my shifting is just like not that good. And she's like, well, check your chain. And I checked my chain, and it was like at 0.27 or 0.28. I was just like, all right, and I put a new chain on, and guess what? It shifts better again. It's like, <laughs> wow. I do like that the so, internet made these really cool color pictures with all the little evenly spaced dots so you can figure out how many uh, teeth are on these uh, cogs. I was going to do that myself and then realize that somebody already did the work and I'm like, oh, really cool. I don't have to do that now. wonder how someone did that. Well, I mean, they just you just draw dots and then once you draw a bunch of the dots, you can probably, once you draw them halfway like, around, I'm sure you can just f- do a mirror and flip it and that'll or fill like, in all the ones that are covered 10, up by the derailleur. Like draw 10 and then like, copy those 10 and overlap it yes, exactly. with five of them and then copy what would be now 15 and like overlap that with five and then you have 25 yeah it probably didn't take as long as i was thinking i was like god i do not have this much time in my life <laughs> but i'm very happy that they that they did that i wonder if there's any other gearing changes i wonder if they'd change that 10 12 jump probably not but just curious no i'm assuming not because if if you added in an 11, you're like, you're still going to 52, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. Like, and you're, that means you're just going to have a bigger jump somewhere else. So, and yeah, I, I don't think that they're going to change it either, but kind of, kind of cool. Well, time will tell. Hopefully we get to see this stuff soon in the real world. Uh Oh, BMC is launching a bike on October 5th and the BMC is built around. It's like the first BMC with a UDH and they were racing this stuff on that bike. So the internet is speculating that it's going to launch that day. Um, Very cool. But I think that's wrong. I don't think Scott, or sorry, I don't think BMC is going to launch SRAM's product. So I have a feeling it'll be launched like the day before, if that makes any sense. Sure. What also is kind of crazy from this picture is the amount of heel rub on this bike. I heel rub my YT a lot. I was thinking, I rode rode my Spark today. Um, I actually don't heel rub that bike. But never seen pictures of him riding, so or I'm not like finding pictures of him riding, so I don't really see anything like real distinct. I mean, he just goes hard, you know. Yeah, I guess so. I did see a really weird picture of Nino's bike, and his fork was fully bottomed out, and his tire looked like it had zero squish in it. And I'm like, something's wrong here. Like my brain can't <laughs> handle this. So there's that. Uh, any other new stuff come out? Oh, uh, Zwift is launching a trainer. So they, what would that be? Is it the the kicker core from Wish? I think it's the kicker core from Zwift. Okay. So yeah, I mean you know, it's the same thing. Not like, foldable, maybe not quite as stable side to side, uh, but direct mount trainer and five hundred dollars. That's 
maybe pretty cool. I think it's not we're very... going to see a trainer recession because the amount of trainers that got sold and then also overproduced and overbought by shops and manufacturers during the pandemic, I just don't think they're going to be that hot anymore. I think the number of people who even remotely considered getting into the smart trainer game as consumers, like, hey, I want to do this inside training stuff. I kind of think that pool has been tapped. So I would be very cautious being one of these companies right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Like, hey, prove me wrong. But I'd be a little reticent. Like we even as a shop overbought Wahoo trainers and it's pretty painful, the amount that we're sitting on. And there's a lot of people in way worse situations. Yeah, I mean, hmm. Yep. I'm just trying to... I'm like kind of scrolling through these pictures and I'm just wondering what that looks like. You know, the, Oh, I'll tell you one thing I don't see in this is I don't see any adjustability for bicycle variants. So that looks to be a little bit of a, of a miss maybe. It looks like they've got Um, really cool kind of, uh, I, I do at least looking at this, these pictures, I've never unboxed one. I've never built one. So I have no idea, but the basic gist that I get is whoever they hired to like, make the box and presentation and like initial setup stuff for the average user probably did a really good job because they have like cool little cardboard cutouts that you like put up to your bike. Cause you don't expect the average person to know what a through axle is or that there's different spacings and all that garbage. So it's pretty cool that they have some kind of stuff like, Hey, uh, try this purple cardboard cutout. And if it fits in your bike, then you put these two thingies here. Kind of cool. Yeah. That's pretty, really it's, pretty idiot proof. Zwift has made packaging that very politely says, "Don't call us. You can figure it out yourself." You know, <laughs> like no one, no customer support team wants their phone line to ring, right? That um, that's but, the, but think about this from a business standpoint: paying somebody. Hopefully, it's an in-house person, and it was just part of their job. But if it costs you, if you could put a, a price tag on it, and it costs you, I don't know. 25 or $50,000 of someone's time to like go through the whole user experience and dial all this stuff up and like really make sure that 99% of people won't have questions. The amount of money that saves on the back end, holy crap. Yeah, like paying, like for argument's sake, just like putting up flyers that's like, hey, I want you, like, we'll give you uh, $50 if you come in with your bicycle and we mount your watch, bike to our trainer. We want to watch the average uninitiated person who's never set up a smart trainer before. Here you go. Here's a bicycle. Can you set this thing up and tell us what you think? And like, just watch someone and don't help them at all. And just like watch random ass people put that together. You'd probably learn a heck of a lot. Yeah. Anyway, a whole lot. Just, I mean, just seems kind of cool. The vibe I get is that hopefully it looks like they thought this out pretty good, which is pretty cool. One thing I don't see, well, it's a $500 trainer. I guess that's not a huge concern. Um, I don't see anything about XDR compatibility. But what I mean, there is rival XDR now. So maybe maybe that is necessary. I mean, it's got, um, in this day and age, it has to do quick release through Axle 142, through Axle 148. It has to do, it pretty much has to do everything. Damn near has to do micro spline. So. You got to yeah. have four free hub bodies and three axle standards. I'm really surprised that there is not a, and I'm trying to think of the right language here in SRAM Road. You remember the S700 series of stuff? It was like not, it was below rival. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but yes, I do remember it. 
it was almost like old rival, if that makes any sense, for a little bit. Um, sure. I'm really surprised that we don't see a 12-speed, like, S700 road cassette. I'm just really, really baffled that that doesn't exist. That's actually a really good point. Why do we not have a Shimano spline? Hey, you got an old shitty bike and you need to get some replacement stuff because they don't make nine speed durays anymore. Uh, like make an 11 speed or sorry. I know what you're trying to say. 11 12 speed, speed road speed compatible. Cassette. Yeah. You need to make the SRAM NX 1230 mountain cassette version of a road cassette. How in the world does that not exist? I don't know. I'm I'm really confused. Um, that and it's even only make a... it in one configuration, right? So you don't even have to make a bunch of them, and you can dish it over. Like only offer it in like the eleven thirty two, for example, or only eleven thirty six, or something like that. And then but you I can think dish the... it over all day. I think the thirty three would work because they do a thirty, a thirty three, and a thirty six. But if not, then sell the thirty. The thirty six would work for sure. And just sell the ten or the eleven thirty six spacing or cassette jump version, and it's like, well, I don't want the gears. It's like, well, then, fucking, go buy rival eleven speed mechanical. Deal with it. You know, like this is your option. You have one choice. Um, it is very probably... weird. We deal with that stuff at least once or twice a week now at my store, where somebody comes in with a clapped road bike and it's got nine or ten speed something decent, but it's just old and clapped. It's twenty years old now, and they've got nine or ten speed Dura-Ace, Altegra, you name it. And it's actually difficult to find them stuff without having to like, you know, get them a new wheel or anyway. And if you've already got right, to replace and everything and then you're kind of in this weird zone where like, well, what do I, what do I give them? Do I spend, they spent all this money and get 11 speed? Like why not spend all that money and get 12 speed and then get 12 speed that in theory, if they ever wanted to get a baller wheel and a baller cassette, boom, they're set, right? Yeah, totally. And I mean, from your perspective too, like rival rim brake and like a threaded Le Mans, like, dude, talk about money, you know, like how fast could you set up rim brake 12 speed with threads? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. oh, you install the crank. That takes 10 minutes. You untape the bars and put new shifters on. And then you run two brake lines on an externally routed frame. And then you tape the bars and take it for a test ride after you like make it shift. You know, like that. That's like trying to not exaggerate a chill hour job. You know, that would be baller. But I don't know why that doesn't exist. Um, maybe I I'll have ask somebody. No that idea. Knows. I will ask somebody that knows. That's that would it. be cool. And maybe it's just not high on the priority list. Maybe it is totally doable, and they just have too many other fish to fry. I really don't know. I don't know either. For what it's um, worth, as an example, uh, the 1230 NX cassette is a godsend. We use those all the time. And yeah. numbers-wise, I sell more NX 1230 cassettes than any other Eagle cassette. And it doesn't even have the 10-tooth. Yeah, I was when I helped uh, help them with their like path to profitability thing. Ed Nasjaletti was like, "Why don't you sell kit in a boxes at your shop or at your last shop?" And I'm like, "Cause they're stupid." And he's like, "And he's like head tried to blow off." And I'm like, "These they're, are twenty six inch savers." Yeah, they're never like, right. They're never the kit's never right for what you th- need. And, and that's what I told him. I was like, "So what do you want me to do? Like take this Eagle GX cassette out of the box and then put a paper tag." 
like a little string tag through it and put it on the shelf and try to sell it for because what are those retail for 220 215 something like that yeah try to explain to someone that no 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 no, i promise this is a new cassette it just doesn't have a box yeah and then i have to discount this cassette and then somehow on this kit in a box i have to figure out how much to discount the kit in a box because i'm selling them in a different cassette like oh, i'm like dude it doesn't it's work awful i'm like it's so horrible i'm a big 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 shop and i have no joke sold like 10 kit in a boxes since the beginning of time it worked when like i don't know that's the only way you could buy axs because it was like yeah sure whatever i don't need a crank but i'll buy one but most people are just like yeah installer you know, you can sell someone a shifter, a chain, a cassette, a derailleur, and then a chain ring that fits their existing crank set. You're good to go. You're done. By the way, you need a new rear tire. Your brake pads are smoked. You need a new front rotor. You need new front pads. Rear rotor's okay. And then you have like a really nice $600 repair. And that person's going to ride that bike for two more seasons before buying a new Stumpy or whatever. You know, it's just, you're just, it's like, okay, how much longer are you riding this bike? If it's one more year, We'll do tires and, sh- and and pads, run it. If it's two more years, let's do a, a drivetrain. And if it's two more months, I want you to move buying your new bike up two months. You know, like, and that's a real conversation to have with people. Um, if they sold like an NX upgrade kit and not a kit in a box, that would maybe make more sense where they sell me the shifter, the trailer, the chain, and the cassette. But that's it. Which I guess all they're, all they're excluding at that point is the crank, right? Yeah. But see, I wanted to sell people GX cassettes or GX shifters and derailers. That's with an generally NX what I did as well, right? Like, let's all be real. That was a kit. In fact, we actually had a spot where it was the upgrade kit zone, and it had a stash of those things ready to go. No joke. It had a GX shifter, a GX derailleur, a GX chain, and an NX 1230 cassette, uh, and usually would have a four bolt, you know, say race face chain ring, four by 104. 32 mm-hmm. and it was just there you know to were, go on that xt crank set exactly they were all just sitting there and you could just grab that whole thing and you had you know six boxes or however many that is i can't count and you just bring that over to the desk and you check them out you're like oh here you go you have this worn out three by nine like hey just let's not mess with that let's just put this on it's 450 dollars. it's done and they're like okay and we sold hundreds of those yeah because it was so easy yep uh, I'm not seeing anything else on the internet that is, um, let's say, piquing my interest right now. Um, well, we talked about a bunch of shit, and we're at an hour five. Oh, my God. We should definitely go to bed. Not together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're like eight hours away. but uh, yeah, um, I mean, we, can, cool. we can finish this bro night or whatever it was called. Uh, boys night? Boys two? night. Um, all right. Well, that's boys night. It might be the same next week. It might not be. I don't know. I think Andrea's going to come home this weekend. She might go back out and hunt, probably. She might not. I don't know. She might kill a deer and an elk tomorrow with one arrow. She might just, I don't know, whatever the, that wouldn't be Robin Hooding because that's when you stack arrows up. Uh, I don't know what that would be, hulking that shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's that. So next week you'll have more of this. So if you hated this, don't listen to next week. Um, but if you liked it, We'll be here, motherfuckers. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show.